Our vision at our church is this. It's not Pastor Mike's vision, and this is what Pastor Mike wants. I believe that we, as a church family, this is your family. And as a church family, I believe that we have a mandate to tell people that God is really different than what the God that you've probably been raised up in. Most of us, maybe not all of us, but the majority of people on the planet have been taught that God is uh, out to get them. If they mess up, as long as you're perfect and walk on water, you will be blessed. But for the most part, nobody here walks on water. And uh, we believe that you can, but you don't have to to get into the good side of God. And so this is the thing that I feel like is a mandate for us to, you know, our um, mission statement says to reach up, reach in, and reach out. You reach up to know God as Father like you've never known Him before. I believe the church has not known God as Father. I believe the church has not known that God is good and that He wants what's best for His family. And uh, so you reach up to know God, you reach in to know who you are in Christ. The real you is, is, is awesome. And you are in Christ. The problem is, you know when people sin or mess up, I even heard somebody this week say, well, I just don't even know if they're saved. I go, yeah, they're saved. They just don't know who they are. If you know who you are in Christ, you know, you, you'll have a tendency not to live just any old way. But the problem is with the church is when somebody messes up, we judge them or elevate you. You know what will frustrate the grace of God? When you place yourself higher than anybody else, it frustrates the grace of God. You know, there's a scripture in Peter, Second Peter, it says, husbands, you know, don't let your prayers be hindered. If uh, because of your wife, uh, the weaker vessel and all of that, do you know? And so uh, religion has says that, you know, God won't listen to you now if you don't treat your wife right. I'm not advocating that you shouldn't treat your wife right. <laughs> no, you should treat your wife right. But this is the problem when it says that it, you, you need to treat it's because that you are elevating yourself above because back in the day. Women were like nothing. They weren't even expensive property. I mean, they, they were just existed. And when Jesus came, he changed all of that and made sure that, hey, we are all together. There's not male nor female. There's not Jew nor Greek. We are all the sons of God that believe in Jesus. So this is the thing. So that scripture is basically saying this. You want to frustrate the grace of God? then just elevate yourself above your spouse. But you can use that principle for anything. Elevate yourself above anybody, and you're going to frustrate the grace of God. It's not God, listen to me, it's not God withholding anything. But when you're humble, it causes the floodgates to open. Why? Because you need God. And that's part of what I'm saying right now is that this isn't a Pastor Mike thing. We are opening up the floodgates... To let God use us to get the good news to every house in Pueblo, Colorado. Amen. 
You realize every household in this city, they need to know that God, well, I'm not good enough to, you know, I just don't do things right, so I wouldn't be welcome in your church. Just say, our pastor's not perfect, you're welcome. <laughs> don't get too excited about that. But anyway, my point is this, is that we're not looking for perfect people. I'm glad, aren't you glad God's not looking for perfect people? I said, aren't you glad he's not looking for perfect people? But that's the message of the church. Come as you are, but then as you come, you better live perfect. No, it's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is come just as you are. I'm going to live inside of you and pour myself inside of you. And you don't even have to be concerned anymore about yourself. Woo. Amen. So we have a mandate as a church family to get this good news out to every household in Pueblo and then some. You can go on the internet and people in Iraq and India or Pakistan or France or any place can hear the message. And so our goal is to start pursuing that. And I have, you know, I've talked about it. But it's just been talk. I'll just be transparent before you. If you ever just talked and you just think, oh, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, whatever. You know, those bobbleheads. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to get on YouTube and maybe TV? Yeah, yeah. Those bobbleheads mean absolutely nothing. You do know that. You know, you hit it and it just shakes, but it doesn't mean anything. But listen to me. The Lord, this past week, I just thought, last Sunday, I said something about this. Somebody met me at the back door. So she said, my dad is really involved in the media and has all kinds of a camera and just really, really knows about the media. He says, here, just give him a call. So I was just going to call him and just, you know, like get some information or whatever. And so I talked to him and he said, and he, then he shoots me an email. He says, I've got all of my team together. And next Wednesday, let's do a conference call. I, you know, I was going like, let's just get some information, everything. No, we'll get this thing wrong. We're going to get some, we're going to get some, we are getting our team together for you. And I went, okay, yeah, yeah, so, sounds good. Amen. <laughs> the, in the, it's just like the Lord, when you take a baby step to, to get the gospel out, to do something that he wants you to do. You take a baby step, you know, it's like, you know, baby, I don't know if I want to do, you know. And then the word TV was just like a cuss word to me. You know, I've heard somebody say, you want to someday be on TV and not do the bobblehead thing. Yeah. <laughs> and all deep inside, I would think, no, I, I just can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good. You know what that is? That's called self-righteousness. <laughs> when, you, when you say, I'm not this and I'm not that, it's because you, you do not put yourself in the frame mindset that Jesus, what he is to you. This ain't about you or your lack thereof. I have found out that the devil is, he is playing a violin to the church and we're loving that music. No, I don't know how to play. But anyway, and this is what people are listening to. This is what we as the church worldwide have been listening to. That, you know, well, I thought, well, I'm not, I can't do that because of this. 
Anytime you and I, listen to me now, anytime you and I look in the mirror and say, I can't because of this, we are focusing on the wrong thing. And listen to me, you will never step in to the element that God wants you to because you are looking at yourself and not Him. That was worth coming to church for. Which means this. All limits are taken off when you quit looking at yourself. So I say, God, you want us to go on TV? I'll go on TV. Whatever you want. This is what it has to be. This is what it has to be. We have to keep focus on Jesus and realize this is what he, he wants to bless every household in Pueblo. He wants everybody. It's the will of God that... None should perish and that all come to repentance. And that word repentance, it doesn't mean (laughs) forgiveness of sins. It means to change the way that you think. Change the way that you think. So you got to quit looking at you and your insecurities and your issues because we're all full of them. You know, we think, I don't have as many issues as them. But you got issues. Everybody's got issues. Look to the person next to you and say, you got issues. So guess what? That's that's just set you free because Jesus takes you with your issues and say, I'm not going to be concerned about your issues if you will look to me and let me change the way that you think and those issues fall by the wayside. And so the Lord wants us to quit trying to look at ourselves to say, I can't be used of God, or we can't do that because of this. Or because. Listen, if you're always looking to yourself, you won't ever step out into what God wants you to do. The children of Israel, they kept doing that and kept doing that. How is every household in Pueblo going to hear the good news? Somebody's got to step up. And I was waiting on God. Like God was up in heaven going, give me some time. I'm, I'm almost there. You know? No, he's not doing that. God is not doing that. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on us to say, hey, I, I, okay, you want, you want every household to hear the good news? Okay, I'm going to get in line. with. How can two walk together unless they agree? It's the will of God that every household hears the good news. Not just that God's out to get them, but God wants the people in this city to know that God is good and he's for them. While they're smoking, while they're doping, while they're doing this, and while they're doing that, God is saying, I love you and I love you so much. I died for you and your pot and your drugs. Instead of Pueblo being known for its drugs, it's about time that God gets more recognition and known on the planet for his goodness. <laughs> God wants to be a lot more known than anything else is going on here. It's going to take us. You have to be the mouthpiece. And so that means, you know, I said, Lord, I'll, I'll, we'll go on YouTube. We'll do what you want. And so I, I'm going to have a conference call this Wednesday with, the, with people I've never known before and never seen before. And they know all about stuff that I don't know about. And they called me and he called me. He says, Mike, we can, we, we can uh, help you on this. I said, good, because I know nothing about any of that. It's okay. Do you realize God will put people in your life 
to get you on track to get things established. So it's not up to me to know, oh, i got to learn about cameras, i got to learn about technology, i got to learn about this. No, I don't. You may think that you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do that. No, you don't. There has to be a trust and reliability upon Jesus. There has to be a reliability and a trust in Jesus. So we have to get to the place to where, you know what? Every household is going to hear the good news. Not just, listen, I'm not interested in preaching to people. I've done that a lot. You do that, you know, well, you know, God wants you to do this. But you, 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 you know, you make your finger longer so it's more important. It's him. We need the people to know it's not about them, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. The people need to hear this. And it's never been burning before like it is. And I've been a pastor for a few years. And, it, and, and I'm ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed, but I, I'm embarrassed to say that. That I, We have to get the good news that how much God, how good he really is. You know, if you ever gotten one of those phone calls or those letters, you've won a million dollars, or you won this, and you think, yeah, won, yeah, yada, 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 whatever. You know it's too good to be true. Did you know the gospel is exactly like that, though? And so the church does what we always do when we get junk mail. Oh, no, that's really not it. Honey, it is. It's the real thing. His blessings, his goodness, his favor wraps around you, and it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with any of us. It has all to do about Jesus. To the degree we're talking about covenants. God made a covenant with Jesus. He wanted to make sure nobody could mess it up. So he had to do something so that man couldn't mess it up. There's only one involvement only one involvement with man. And that is, do you believe that Jesus did it all for you? And when you step into Jesus, now you are in covenant, an heir of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. We say that. I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? <laughs> that means you had nothing to do with it. You just got put in a family. That's like getting adopted by Bill Gates. How would you like to be adopted by Bill Gates? And, he, and you have everything that Bill Gates has. You, you, I would not. Davis is not such a great name. Gates, yeah, I'll take that name. I'll change my name. I'll change my name. Why? Because you know everything at his disposal is now at your disposal. Did you have anything to do with it? No, he just, he adopted you. You had nothing to do with it. I didn't have to get, well, I got to brush up on my Microsoft skills. I'm a Mac guy, so I'm in trouble. But anyway, I got I to gotta do all of this, you know, and I got to get, no, no, he just adopts you, not based upon anything of your knowledge or your goodness or anything. Adoption is just based upon you come because you're chosen. The good thing is, is that we were in the devil's family, and God says, I'm going to adopt all of you back. You're going to be mine. You're gonna, I'm going to adopt you. I choose you. I choose you. Well, you know, Lord, I just, I got issues. I choose you. And so we come into his family, and it's not based upon our skill level, 
our good level, our what we can do, what we can't do, who we are. It's just like, no, you're in the family now. And because you're in the family, everything is now at your disposal. That's what Jesus got for you. You know, when Melody and I got married, we got a joint account. So now, she can sign a check no matter what, with me there or not. To anybody, you just write your name. And it's good. It's good. You get to purchase anything you want. As long as there's money in there. But I mean, you get to do anything. Well, the good thing is about God, it's always going to be there. Everything is always going to be there. That's why the, the Bible says this, but we haven't really reached our hands around it. All of the promises of God are yes and Amen. Amen means so be it. There is no stipulation attached to that. There's no if you are good and if, if, if. There's no obligation on our part. The church hasn't embraced that. They have not embraced that I, well, I have to do something. I'm letting that sink in. Because all of us have a touch of that still in us. And for God to really take you to the destination that you want to get to, that has to be changed in your mind. Because if you have anything to do with it, you can rest assured the devil will bring that up and you'll fall short. Every time. Speaking from experience. You'll fall short. But if I, Mike doesn't have anything to do with it. Pastor Mike doesn't have anything to do with it. If I don't have anything to do with it. But I believe and I'm trusting and relying and resting on what he did. Ooh, it's like sipping lemonade on a hot July day on the front porch in a swing. I'm just resting in you, God. You're going to get me to my destination, I believe. And I'm not going to let Mike get in the way of that. We've let ourselves get in the way. We let ourselves get in the way. Especially when you screw up. Big time. So you do. You, everybody does stupid things. Sometimes it's more stupid than other times. But the point is that God still uses us because you look at, you realize the the people that God used in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Paul, I mean, he was a murderer and, and he used prostitutes? Yeah, nobody wants to talk about that stuff. The lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ went through a prostitute? <laughs> the lineage. You know, if I was going to be God, I'd pick everybody that was nice and pure and clean and just smelled good and looked good and everything's good. Jesus didn't do that. Why? Because he knows man. In particular, he knows you. And he knows you. Oh, he's just going to come a little bit short. And I'm not talking 5'8". I'm talking about you're going to come up short and trying to do right all the time. Listen, if you're God and your acceptance is to do right, you will always fall up short. And I'm telling you, God's, you're not going to be able to step into what God has for you if you have to do right and live right. And be right. 
Oh, I'm a, I can preach on that because that's the way I, I got to be right. I just got to make sure I'm right. And you make that a God almost. Or you make that your acceptance right. to people is because I'm right. And I know some things, so therefore I'm right. I've had issues like that. I'm sure you've never had any issues like that before. But I mean, if you think you have to be right all the time, if you think that you have to be right all the time so that you can be accepted, so you can get worth and value out of that, that is self-righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to become acceptable to him. There's nothing that we can do. You have to accept what he has done. Then he makes you righteous. Makes you. He makes you righteous. He makes you righteous. He makes you righteous. I said he makes you righteous. And it's not based upon what anything I could do. I, I got, oh, he made me this way. Somebody says, oh, you did that? Yeah, God made me this way. How do you make it? Righteous, pure, holy, clean, awesome. Just can't, you know, but he did it. If you got any issues with it, talk to him because he's the one who made me this way. Righteous. So we have to tell, we need, so you're giving. Listen to me. You're giving. And I'm not preaching on giving, but I'm just saying, I want to inspire you to know what, you're not just giving to a Sunday religious thing. You're giving. Your time and effort and everything that you do in this church, it's for the final outcome we have to keep focused. This is why we do what we do. We do this so we can get the gospel out. So we can get people to have their mind renewed. So we can get people saved. So we get people to, to think differently, so they will believe differently, so they will live differently. And every household needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear this, outside of Pueblo even. Everybody needs to hear this. And so I, I want to encourage you. Now listen, I said this at first service, I said, I'll tell it to you too. If you don't give anything, if you don't do anything, and you just come and hear the word, I will love you. First of all, I probably won't even know if you don't. I don't. Sarah, my secretary, can tell you, I don't get in there and check who's given or whatever, unless you're a leader in this church. I want to know if you're given, if, if you're a leader in this church, because the Bible says where your treasure is. Here's where be your heart. I know, I want you to, you got to be connected here. You got to be connected. But my point is this that I, I don't care really if you give. Or if you don't, if you, if you work or whatever. But this is what I do care about. Are you hearing me? Because you're still going to get the gospel. You're still going to get the good news. You're still going to get your mind renewed. But I'm just needing as many people as we can get on board to do something greater than what you could do on yourself, on your own. I can't do this on my own. And it's not, like I said, it's not about me. It's not about my wife. But it is about the message. And I'm burning on the inside this message. And the message is, is God is a lot better than what you think. And your perception of God, I don't care how long you've been serving him, your perception of God is not what it should be. It is not. Because he's much better than what you think. And I don't care how good you think he is, he's far greater and better. He is so awesome. 
And so it's our job. It's our mandate as a church. You want to know what we're all about? This is it in a nutshell. We are going to change the way that people think about our Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to change the way that people think. And so, whatever that entails, if it takes getting on YouTube, if it takes getting on Facebook, if it takes getting on TV, if it takes whatever, whatever, I don't know whatever it takes, but I do know one thing. God, we're ready to do it. We're ready to do it. Why? Because he wants every person to know that he's really good. I mean, to me, this is so, what if my, I, Dwayne, if I just, everybody in the city of Pueblo just thought he was really mm, not such a great guy. But I knew him, and I think, man, that is so, that is just wrong. You're not that way at all. But everybody believes that. And so I would have something in my heart every time somebody comes up to me, and, and, and they said, yeah, but Dwayne's like this. I go, no, you don't know him. No, he's not like that at all. You're not getting offended or anything, right? Okay, just checking. Just checking. It's just an illustration. He's a great, awesome guy. But my point is, this is the way God is to the nation, to the world. That he will slap you upside the head if you don't do everything right. Sickness can come on you if you don't do everything right. He will take your child if you don't do everything right. You know, and that stupid saying, you know, God needed another flower in heaven, so he just took your daughter. Someone said that to me one time, said that to me. Oh, I had to calm down in my fleshly self because I just wanted to slap them up until tomorrow, but I, I didn't. But this is a bad thing. People think that about God. Your father and my father. He's my father. Do you want people to think and say bad things about your father? No, you don't. But bless their little stupid hearts. That's what they've been taught. They've been taught that. I was taught that. Was you taught? I was taught that. That God, you know, he just, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No. Is that in the Bible? Yes. Is it true? No. Job himself said he was stupid for saying that. And yet it's preached in the pulpits everywhere. Blessed be the name. And then it sounds really holy when you say this at the end. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody said, you know, they lived in Alabama for a really long time. And they said, you know, people in Alabama, they have a way of, of getting their point across and being nice about it. I said, what? Yeah. You know, they'll say, oh, look at them. Oh, look at what they did. Oh, bless their stupid little heart. It doesn't sound as bad. You know, bless their stupid little heart. Bless their ignorant head. You know, and they bless everything. We do that a lot, and, and people don't, no, no, no. We want people to know the good news. There is no bad news in good news. And yet in the church world, there is bad news. If there's bad news, then it's not the gospel. I don't know if you got that. I said, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. I just want people to know that. That was just about our vision. I want you to stay on track with that. This is why we're here. It's not to fill a little religious square. We come together so that we can encourage one another, so we can grow, so this message can get outside these four walls, so that Pueblo can be known for the goodness of God and knowing him as Father. Yeah. 
That's why we exist. That's why we come to church. Amen? And we're going to think differently, and next week we'll think better than what we think this week. And you know what the ultimate outcome, this is the great thing, because the, the moment that you start thinking better and thinking like the way that God thinks, guess what the result of that is? It's fruit, but the fruit will be more victory in your life. Amen. You want more victory in your life? Well, I'm working on it. I'm trying to, no, that's not how you get victory. Victory is a fruit. Victory is a fruit. A fruit from what? Of your labors? No. It's not a fruit of your labors. It's a fruit of his labors. Righteousness, I mean, holiness and all of that, it's a fruit. It's not a root problem. It's a fruit. And when you live and know that you are the righteousness of God, the fruit will be holiness. It will be acceptance. It will be peace. It will be joy. All of that's a fruit, but it's in you already. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm supposed to talk about covenants. I'm talking 15 minutes about covenants, all right? Why does God look so different in the Old Testament? Because the church will gravitate and say, well, this is the way we should be. Under, and they put themselves under the Mosaic covenant. There was a covenant. And we said this, so I can't go back too much because I don't have much time. But this is what happened. God wanted to give them a grant covenant. You remember what a grant covenant is? A grant covenant is a covenant with a greater and a lesson person came into covenant, and the greater one took all of the obligations. How many obligations? All of the obligations, and the lesser one only needed to receive the covenant or believe it. God wanted to make that, listen to me, he wanted to make that kind of covenant with Moses and all the children of Israel. He said, gather with me on Mount Sinai, I'm going to come down in three days, and we're going to talk about this. He says, I'm going to make everybody a priest. Why is that important? If you just read that, you can read right over that. When he said, I'm going to make everybody a priest, that means I'm going to have a one-on-one relationship with people, everybody. No more coming in between. It's just going to be me and them. Boom. What a great, that's a covenant and a half. He said, that's what I want, a grant covenant. And that's, see, we read this, but the culture of that time understood the covenants that we're talking about. They understood. Like the grant covenant, the kinship covenant, the kinship covenant is, the, it, we said that God says, okay, you, they rejected the grant covenant. And they said, no, we don't want God to speak to us anymore. We want you to speak to God for us, Moses. Just tell us the rules, the regulations. You just do that. It's the worst mistake they could have made. So what did they do? They rejected the grant covenant and said, we want a kinship covenant. And the reason they did that is because for 400 years, four generations, they have a slave mentality. The only God they knew was Pharaoh. If you're raised in church in a kinship-type covenant atmosphere, mm, you're going to think this is the relationship that you have with God because of what you were raised in. That's what they were raised in, and they thought the only way that we're going to have a relationship with God is based upon our relationship that we have with Pharaoh. Therefore, you just tell us the rules, and we know you tell us the rules, we'll get water. You tell us the rules, we get straw brought to us. Just tell us the rules, and we know. Just tell God to give us the rules. The problem with that is when you come into a covenant with another culture, you would have the covenant written on the, on the stone, and that's what God did. He did it 
on two stones. The reason why it's two stones, the covenant at that time, one, the two tribes that were coming together, one would get one covenant tablet and the other one would get the other one. And you would take that and go and put it in your ark, in your temple. And the reason then everybody who came to that temple, the ark, I mean, the, it contained the, the covenant. So the, the two tablets that God made weren't one through five and then six through ten. No, it was one through five, six through ten, one through five, six through ten. So there was two. Because the culture of that time was you would put yours in your temple, but this is the problem. The God that you serve now had to enforce and punish you if you did not keep that. Not their God, but you're not in covenant with that. You're in covenant with those people, but your God would enforce the covenant that you made. Are you following me? Everybody get that? Then you would take your covenant, and you would go to your temple. You would put it in your ark. Now, that God that you serve would now punish you if you did not keep that covenant. This is a situation that God made with them, but he was both. So that's why both of the tablets were put in the Ark of the Covenant. But now, because they serve the true God, they put God in a very awkward position that now they were covenanting with him that he had to punish them if they didn't keep it. That was not his will. Let that sink in. That is not what he wanted, but that is what they wanted. Why is that important? It will change your old outlook of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament. Are you getting this? This is why I say God is good all the time. From Genesis to Revelation, he is. But if you misinterpret that, you're going to look in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and think that, man, God was just killing people and he's doing this? No. He spoke out loud. To them, they all, you know, you watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, while Moses is getting the covenant from God, they're worshiping the, the golden calf. That's not true. While Moses was on the mountain getting the, the, the covenant, they were at the foot of the mountain, and they heard God speak all the Ten Commandments. Why is that important? So they knew all Ten Commandments right from the work getting go, and I can, we'll read this. Real quick, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. But watch out, be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord, your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. This is God saying, I'm going to personally instruct them. They audibly heard God. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. Verse 11. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. They weren't worshiping the calf. While flames from the mountain shot into the sky, the mountain was shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness. Verse 12. And the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire. You heard the sound of his words but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep. So they heard all ten. Why is that important? In less than 40 days, 
Less than 40 days. Moses stays up on top of the mountain less than 40 days. They start breaking them right from the get-and-go. They make a, a god out of a golden idol. And he said, thou shalt, number two, thou shalt not have any gods before me. They create their own, you know. And then the Ten Commandments is this massive golden statue. of a it, it was, the Bible says he, Aaron, made a cast which meant that he couldn't make something massive and big. It was probably the size of a calf. So they make this golden calf and say, you are what brought us out of Egypt. Really. You're our God that delivered us. So they break the covenant right away. Now what happens when you break the covenant? The God you serve is obligated to punish Why? Because you wanted that kind of covenant with him. The church is trying to go push us back into the same kind of covenant that, that was in, made with Moses and the children of Israel. You break the covenant, God's going to hammer you. Thor ain't got nothing on God. His hammer will slap you into tomorrow. What are you trying to, Do you see that? And so the church world is trying to push us back under a covenant that, first of all, God didn't want, number one. And then, two, he's already done away, if you will study this later, but he's done away with that covenant and put you into a different kind of covenant. It's a grant covenant that he made with Jesus. He made a covenant with Jesus, and you and I get to be joint heirs with Jesus. All you have to do, you step in and say, I believe what Jesus, he did it all for me. He did that for me. That's why in the spiritual realm, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, we hammered this last week. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. In the spiritual realm, my hands are pierced, my side is pierced, but I didn't bring this out. I've got stripes on my back. Why? It's, you know, you get a scar, it reminds you of something. Oh, what am I reminded of in the scars? I got scars on my back. It reminds me I'm the healed of the Lord. I've got pierced hands to remind me I've been resurrected from the old man. I have been reborn, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. I've got scars to remind me who I am in Christ. Woo! So when the devil's trying to put sickness on you, you're not trying to get healing. You've got proof that you are healed. I said you got proof in the spiritual realm on your back that I'm the healed of the Lord and the devil's trying to take this away from me. I don't think so. I'm going to resist him. The Bible says in James, submit yourself to God. What does that mean, submit? Well, you're just not submitting. No, it means that you embrace his truth, what he has done for you. That's true submission. And when you submit to God, then he says, resist the devil. So you resist what he's trying to do you. And the Bible says he will flee from you. You can't resist if you're not submitting to the truth that he is what he's done for you and me. That's where I think we miss it. If you are the, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God, devil. I don't know what you're trying to do. You're saying, you know, to my mind, my conscience, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. You, you're just a bad person. Your response should be, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, Jesus. I'm one with him. 
If you've got an issue, you should probably go talk to him. Because I'm one with him, you know. So he tells them, they hear with an audible voice in less than 40 days, they break the covenant. So when Moses comes down less than 40, or 40 days later, 3, 000, the ones that were, listen, I know we got kids in here, so I'll be careful, but it says that they rose up and had rivalry and party. If you study that in Hebrew, it was more than adultery and fornication. That's the way the gods that people had served other gods. It was more than just a party. It was some triple XXX stuff going on with multitudes of people. 3,000, actually. So when Moses comes back, the Levites go, and God tells them to kill those who, who did that. Why? Because of the covenant. Do you realize it wasn't even God? I know this is hard to swallow. It was not even God's will and desire for them to be killed. Because God is good. But they made a covenant. They made a covenant that he had to uphold. And he upheld it. He said, go. And so the 3,000, the law, the Bible says in the New Testament, Romans, the law brings death. The Spirit gives life. On the day that the law was brought down, 3,000 died. In the new covenant, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. It particularly said the exact numbers so that people would start making a connection here. The law brings death. Jesus brings life. What is the will of God? Was it ever death? It was never the will of God. Death is an enemy of God. It is an enemy of God. But we got to wrap our hands around that. And listen, if you're trying to interpret everything by the old covenant, you're going, first of all, you're going to miss it, but you're also going to miss it if you don't understand covenant. Well, this is just who God is. He's nothing like that. He's nothing like that. It's what they wanted, what they demanded. But he is not a guy who goes around wanting people killed. Hmm. He literally made hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't make it for people that were bad. That was not his, that's not why he made it. Come on now. We got to renew our thinking. And so if you interpret how God is based upon reading the covenant that the children of Israel made with him, you will miss the character of God. And you won't know him. And that's what the church has done. We've missed it. We've missed it because I'm telling you. He is a God of love. He never changes. There is nothing but good in him. And you and I and our past, we have probably misrepresented him. And that breaks my heart. I'll close with this testimony. There was... About six months ago, may have been a year ago, I went over here to uh, visit um, someone, and there was a guy rolling out in a wheelchair. And man, I walked past him, and I just knew in my heart, you need to go back and share the good news with him. So I did. I went back, and I said, hey, buddy, 
I said, do you mind if, if I pray for you? I just know that God loves you, and I, he interrupted me. He says, no, you may not pray for me. He said, God put me in this wheelchair. He says, no, you can't pray for me. And I said, you know, buddy, he, he didn't. And I began to share, I said, man, he didn't. I said, there's a devil, and I'm telling you what God does. And he kept interrupting me, and he said, no. And basically, get out of here. I said, okay. And I went back to my truck, and I went, well, God, did I miss you? What in the world? I mean, that was just like capital F failure, you know. He says, no, you did exactly. He said, I want you to know that people have told him that, and he has believed that. And I want that to change. And I said, God, I'll make sure with every breath within me that I'll do my best to get that thought pattern changed in people. God doesn't put anybody in wheelchairs. The church world has misrepresented him. And it's our mandate for that to get changed. Are you on board with that? Do you think that's good news? Do you think that's something you can jump on board with? I mean, we're, we're not going to do, you know, have the, oh, this and this and this. And no, we're always going to stay focused on this. We're going to have great youth ministry, great children's ministry. We're going to have great men's ministry, great women's ministry. But to encompass all of that, this will be the focus of all of those ministries. Your children are not going to be raised up where they have to have their mind renewed when they get to be 18, 20, or 5, or whatever. No, they're going to know from now until that when somebody says something to them, oh, yeah, the, I've got cancer. The Lord put this on me. Your kid's going to say, no, God, no, God doesn't do that. Who told you that? What a terrible lie. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. As one person said, this will make you just want to swing over hell on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye. Yeah. Swing back over. Take that. We did some good spitting today. We're changing. Pueblo's changing. Amen. And he's going to use you and me for this city to be known for the goodness of God. This is a great city. Don't let anybody lie to you. Don't accept any lie. This is an awesome city. This city is where God dwells. Woo! God lives in Pueblo. I said God lives in Pueblo. It's a great city. You know, when people say, oh, yeah, Pueblo. Oh, you live in Pueblo. You know what they mean, don't you? They don't have to say nothing. When you go, where do you live, Pueblo? Oh, oh, I see. You know, like, poor you. Oh, you must have did something to tick God off, man. I'm telling you what, you live in public. No, it's just the opposite, man. I've got God. Oh, I've got so much favor with God. God says, I'm going to plant you in Pueblo. That's where I'm going to plant you. Woo! I said, woo! It's time we get excited about the goodness of God. Amen?